the message is on vision, and if you've been here at any, for any length of time, you know that the new life vision, overall vision of this church is making disciples who make disciples. And it's been that way since, I think, since I got here. We may not have articulated it in the 80s, but that's what we've always done. And uh, it continues to be our vision. And in 2019, the specific word for us was organic, which Pastor Tim shared with us at the beginning of the year, did a couple messages to explain it. And uh, so I'm going to reiterate some of that. Organic is the way that uh, we defined it, is shared life that is rooted in Jesus and connected to one another. And for those of you who were here, you might remember the illustration he used of the redwood trees, the, the biggest trees in the world that are, their root system is only 10 to 12 feet deep, but they're all interconnected. So you'll never see one redwood tree. They always have to be together in a forest. And if you take one tree down, you have to take them all down. And so that was the illustration he used for our connectedness to each other. And then it's first tethered to Jesus and then sharing life with each other. And another illustration he mentioned as well, and that was kind of the idea, and I think he even referred to Pastor Carroll when he talked about it, was organic food, which is clean food. No pesticides, no man-made additives. It's just clean, pure food. And uh, the idea is that when we're growing vegetables, we don't need to add to it to make it right. And so for many of us, in our walk with the Lord, we have added to what he's given us. We've, we've, been, we've walked out the gospel at the beginning, and then we slowly add the pesticides and the additives to the preservatives, the things that kill it, basically. It, it looks good for a really long time, but it doesn't produce anything. And that was the second definition. Um, when we were in, you know, I lived in Eastern Europe with my family for many years, and one of the things we always loved was the vegetables because they have different growing requirements. They're not allowed to use the stuff we can use. And so they taste so much different than they do here. And, but over time, you get used to it here. And so every time I take a trip back, I really enjoy the organic uh, vegetables. Actually, Ukraine is called the breadbasket of Europe because the dirt is so rich and the food is so good. And, uh, but here, just like in the in farming industry, in the church, we have a tendency to do what we think will be expedient to get more harvest. We think it's more harvest. It actually produces less quality of goods. And uh, that was the other illustration. And, um, and I think we've been through this season... And, you know, I mentioned it last time when I was sharing, and that is we've been through this season where it seems like God is trying to get our attention to it's time to clean up, it's time to move forward. And so just to go back through the last few weeks, uh, Carol talked about the two Adams. Of course, we know we're the, we're the bad Adam. We're trying to become the good Adam. Uh, Kevin said, talked about being on our journey back to the Father and looking for helpers and how God puts in our way people that can help us on our journey. And then I came and talked about being abandoned, getting rid of the things that keep you from being completely his. And then last week, 
I don't know about you, but I felt like we had a message from a loving father who was telling his kids it's time to grow up and to quit being so sensitive and quit being so silly and start reading the word for what it says. Don't tickle your ears. Um, you know, when the shaking starts in Hebrews, I think it's Hebrews twelve twenty-seven. the idea behind shaking is not just to shake. It's to get rid of anything that's attached that shouldn't be there. And so we've been shaking, and things keep falling off, and we're coming into a new season, I believe, where it's time to move forward. I think we've been here long enough, and I've talked to many people who have been going through this same thing I've been going through, which is, what is going on? What are you doing? And when Carol was going through that list of things God is, you know, I, I prefer cliff note versions of everything. And so I thought, you know, I could sum that up. He's everything. Whatever you're thinking, he's everything. So that was, that's my book. You know, I'm going to write a little book. God is everything. And then, and, yeah, the end. That's it. <laughs> And I think it's a time where God is drawing each one of us individually closer to himself, removing whatever's not supposed to be there, getting us into his presence so he can work on us to get us ready for him. You know, we're, we're not getting ready for the world. We're getting ready for him. Everything he's doing is for intimacy and to bring us closer to him so that we can stand in his presence and enjoy it instead of always feeling like, Ugh, I'm such a worm. You were a worm. You're not a worm anymore. And he's trying to get you to the place that you can look him in the face and say, Abba, Father. And not fear and not fret anymore. And so spiritually, the natural tendency in any, in, after you've gone through any cleansing, is to take a rest. It's like, okay, I'm tired. I've had enough. It's time to move on. But spiritually, after a season of cleansing, you don't need rest. You need vision. Because now you're ready to take it. Now you're ready to handle it and understand what the Father wants. So you've gone through this, this upheaval and you're tired. And I understand that. I'm tired too. But you know what the vision of New Life Church is, the overall vision but do you know what your vision is for this year? For us, it's organic under the umbrella of making disciples who make disciples. What's your part of that? What's your vision for 2019? What's driving you to keep going? Because without revelation and without vision, you can start to feel like you don't fit because you're running around aimless. And you can adopt somebody else's vision for a time, but pretty soon you won't have the grace to endure it because it's not your vision, it's theirs. And you'll start to become critical and you'll start to tell other people about how their vision isn't right and eventually you're going to leave because you'll be so unhappy. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't or can't leave. But what I like to say is, wherever you go, there you are. 
And so if you're taking that kind of discontent with you, bless them, Lord. (laughs) You don't have to. When it's time for you to leave, God will tell us and you, and it won't be a happy day. Every time I've been in the will of the Lord, following the vision that he's given me, and it fits with the vision of another organization, and it's time to go, it's a sad day. It's not a joyful day. But it is joyful in the fact that we'll be together forever. So you can, have a, you can borrow somebody else's vision for a while, but if you don't get your own, you're not going to make it. And that leads me to the text for today, which is, was quoted by Miss Judy at the beginning, where there's no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. That's the New King James. In the King James, which we always have to read the King James just in case, because if that's the only one, I want to make sure I get it in there. Where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. And then the ESV, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. And actually, the ESV is closer to the real meaning of the text. Prophetic vision in relation to revelation. So you could say it this way. Where there's no prophetic revelation, the people cast off restraint. And casting off restraint is the connotation of being naked. If you look up the word, now not naked, like, don't think naked. Get that out of your head. (laughs) That's better. It's the idea that you're left uncovered. It's it's being exposed. And... uh, In Exodus 32, 25, it says, Now when Moses saw that the people were unrestrained, for Aaron had not restrained them to their shame among their enemies. King James says, when Moses saw that the people were naked, it's the same connotation. When they made the golden calf, that's the same nakedness that he's talking about in Proverbs. They cast off restraint. In other words, you don't live properly. And you expose yourself to the enemy. And you're completely uncovered. And I talk to a lot of people who are going through a lot of things. And I think some of them are unnecessary. Quite honestly. And when you lack prophetic revelation personally, we act shamefully. We become double-minded. We gossip. We backbite. We lack conviction. And it doesn't have to be with actual actions. It can be, are you seeking him? Are you asking him? Because typically what happens, at least in my life, is when I'm in one of these naked situations, I come to him when I need something. And I expect him to be my genie in the bottle, to give me what I want, to get me out of my mess, so I can take another rest. And he's not like that. We need need personal conviction of a prophetic revelation of what he's saying to us. We are not a young, immature congregation for the most part. We've been here a long time. We know better. And the problem is that the leadership here for many years has provided a covering 
where you could be completely safe and completely ineffective. And because of our lack of vision, they laugh at us. So getting back to after a season of cleansing, you need vision, not rest. Moses got his prophetic revelation in Exodus 3. And it's the story of the burning bush. And he'd spent 40 years in the desert. And after that, he was sent by God to deliver the children of Israel. And you know the story. And that vision, that encounter with God carried him the rest of his life. And in the Old Testament, only a few were able to access God's voice like that. The prophets delivered the word. But now we can all access his voice. And on a side note, we'll probably cut this out of the tape. Um, I hear a lot of people tell me they want to hear God's voice better. And so on a positive note, if you say you want to hear it better, that means you are hearing. Just quit arguing with him. And sometimes it's just a thought. It can be, I should go be a part of the outreach at the apartment complex, or I should go help Joe downtown. And then you say to yourself, no, that's not really what I want to do. And if that's you, you need to be honest and say you really don't want to hear his voice. What you want to hear is how nice you are and how glad he ought to be that you're with him. I know, I've done it. I've done it. I've asked to hear the Lord, and he said, why don't you go do this? I'm like, nah, I don't want to do that. Let's get bigger. You know, let's get, you know how much I love the camera. Let's get me out of here in front. Or you want people to see you without the responsibility of actually doing anything. But I digress. Joshua is first mentioned in Exodus 17 when he's told that he... Moses asked him to lead the fight against the Amalekites. And you know that story where as long as Moses' hands were up, they were winning. And when they came down, they were losing. I'm sure Joshua was down the valley going, hold his hands up. (laughs) (laughs) He was also one of the spies that were sent out to the promised land. But it wasn't until Joshua 1 that he had his prophetic revelation. And that is in verse 5 where God says, As I was with Moses, I will be with you. And then he had his word to go for the rest of his life. Doesn't mean he did it perfectly, but he knew what his what his vision was. And and I hadn't really thought about this until this time. Moses was actually supposed to do that. So sometimes you can pick up the vision of somebody else who's decided they don't want to do it or for whatever reason have disqualified themselves. I remember hearing Catherine Kuhlman say one time in an interview, she knew she was the third person picked for her ministry, that two men had said no. And we don't want to be like that. And just like them, when you hear a word from God, you, I mean from somebody, whether it's a prophecy or a word of encouragement or whatever it is, if you've gotten a word, you still need to hear it from the Father before it's yours 
and I've done it and others do it, we get a word from somebody and we think it relieves the responsibility of putting ourselves in a position to be with the Father. He's not going to let you have it. He's going to frustrate you because he doesn't need independent people. He needs dependent people. And I have a word that I've been carrying in my heart since 1986. Five years are God. The others are my problem. Don't hold up your word coming to pass because of your own stupidity. Or thinking that God owes you something. He tells you that because that's the only thing he thinks will keep you faithful to get there. Sometimes we need a word, and I'm not saying that that's wrong, and sometimes we need a prophetic word from a friend, sometimes we need an encouragement, but I'm saying as far as your life, where you're going, it, he shows you something to provoke you to go. Not to wait until somebody brings you a silver platter with all the invitations on it to get you there. I didn't write all that down, by the way. I keep asking the Lord, can I just have a fun Sunday one day? (laughs) I'm not saying you're all going to have encounters like the burning bush. But you all are going to have encounters when you want them. And he will tell you what he wants you to do. And he'll give you a vision for it. And it will settle you for the long haul. No more bouncing back and forth between the world and God. It's time to move forward. We've been through our seasons of cleansing and breaking and adjustment. Now it's time. So what is vision, apart from the obvious of sight? This is, I thought, was a very interesting definition, and it's in Webster's. A supernatural appearance that conveys a revelation. The only thing that's missing is that a supernatural appearance by God that conveys a revelation. But there's at least three parts that we need to talk about in vision. The first is revelation. Revelation is God's response to opportunity out there. When he reveals something to you and gives you a revelation, it's to meet a need. It's something that he wants to see. He's looking at an opportunity. He looks for, the the scripture's clear, he runs to and fro throughout the whole earth looking for those whose hearts are fully his. So when he finds a heart that's his and he finds an opportunity, he'll give you a revelatory vision of what to do in that situation for them. It's not to build you. It's for them. The only reason we're even here, if you're saved, is for them. And we get to enjoy life and enjoy each other, but the purpose of our life is for the lost. I mean, if you're saved, we already know where we're going. So when he sees an opportunity, like um, the outreach to the uh, apartment complex. You you ever have those words that it does, like, when I do the benediction, I don't think I I can quote it all night long perfect until I get up here, and then I always leave a line out. So I guess it's just, so I can never remember, is it Country Brook? Okay. We're moving ahead. But that came from a vision that Kevin had. And he put it out there, and people got parts of it that matched with the vision that was in their heart. And now every week, they're actually starting to expect us. And they're wanting us to be there. That doesn't mean you have to go. 
What I'm saying is when you get the thought, don't just discount it because it may be inconvenient or, or something you don't like. So you ha- he's going to respond to every opportunity that the world gives him to show who he is. And your vision, your revelation from him will meet that need when it's from him. It's not our creative thinking. We don't need to sit in a room and have a think tank on creative ways to reach the lost. We have the creator of all things who knows exactly how to reach every one of them if they want it. And it will always be more than you can handle. Always. Because he knows that if you could handle it, you wouldn't ask him. You would just go do it and hand it back to him. And he doesn't want to do it that way. Encounters with Jesus remove small visions. First time I talked to Art and Judy about Uganda, after about 20 minutes, I was exhausted. And when history is written, they will have started a whole new history on the whole nation. Art has plans for everything. Maybe even neighboring countries, I'm not sure, I'm afraid to ask. What I'm saying is it's always going to be beyond you. And when it's beyond you, the frustration and the tension is trying to get from where you are to where God has shown you and working with a bunch of very obstinate people in the way. Yet, he gives you all the grace to get there. That's not a problem at all. The second thing, well, let me finish this. The the pain of walking out your prophetic revelation makes you small. And it it tends to lower our expectation on what God wants to do. Because it's painful. You need to stay connected to him so that the revelation you get is bigger than the hardships along the way. Because whichever one wins in your life, that's the one that's going to gain your attention. If you have more hardship than victory, you're going to stop. If you have more victory than hardship, you'll be able to endure. Having a word from the Father gives you the ability to endure because it came from outside of you and you knew it and you will not let go of it we hold it like that secondly you have to have boundaries God always sets boundaries the difference between a swamp and a river are boundaries and so he will not just show you what he wants to do he will show you the ends of what you're to do If you know what to do, you also know what not to do, all right? If you're unsure and you're wasting all your energy doing things you shouldn't be doing, you're not going to have the energy to do what you're supposed to be doing. Just because it's activity doesn't mean it's right. So know your boundaries. You don't have a complete revelation from the Father until you've seen him face to face and he's given you the boundaries. Inside the boundaries, you can run like crazy. Outside the boundaries, you're on your own. And there's other people that are out just outside your boundaries. Some of them need you to back off so they'll actually take the initiative to do what they're supposed to do. Because if, when I first started in ministry, I was very timid. If anybody offered to do anything, I let them do it. So I didn't have to because I didn't want to mess it up. Not because I didn't want to, I just... Figured, well, they're probably a lot better at it than I am. 
But that doesn't help either one of us because he's wanting to grow me and he's wanting to rein them in. And so you have to have the boundaries. You have to have it completely defined what you're supposed to do. It's not your job to do everything. You're not a Martha. And the enemy really doesn't care how he gets you to overwork. He doesn't care if you think you're doing good as long as it kills you. We can read about your plaque in the hallway. They did a lot. They're gone. (laughs) One extra parking spot. (laughs) If everything is shown you is not done immediately, what do you do? Relax. Whose vision was it? It's his vision. He gives you a piece of it. But it has a lot of moving parts. You ever heard the saying, hurry up and wait? Do what you can do and wait. That's it. Take the next step. Whenever the next step, you'll say, hey, it's time. Okay, go take the next step. See, it's all about definition and presence. You've got to have the presence of God and the definition of what he's asking. And don't, don't ever forget that everything he's asking is completely separate from yours and his relationship. It's not a question of going to heaven. It's not a question of intimacy with the Father. It's a question of, hey, you want to participate or not? And I can tell you, when the, when the presence of the Holy Spirit is in you, you can't help but participate. Because it's the life of God in you. It's, it's getting his mind in here that drives you in ministry. It doesn't promote ministry. Ministry is measured behind you. Not in front of you. It's called fruit. When you have fruit, you don't have to promote. It's only when you don't have fruit that you got to promote. Because you got to sell something. And if you don't have fruit, you better sell something else. Is anybody getting any of this? I mean, for me, so I can copy it. He will do what's necessary. You have to stay in your boundaries. And thirdly is intimacy. You have to be intimate with the Lord. Vision is born with a clarity, but is very indistinct. And what I mean by that is I can see exactly where I'm going, and I have no idea how to get from here to there. It's very clear where we're headed. Now what? It's very indistinct. I don't know what to do next. He forces me into intimacy with him because he needs me dependent. Not because he's promoting his own greatness. It's because in, in that submitted state, he can move me in an instant. Because he knows that I have nothing in me that can make this happen and I'm totally his. And so he shows me, this is where we're going. And then I say, well, how do we get there? He'll say, well, right here, I want you to do this. And I'll do it. And as in every relationship, the more give and take, the more trust that's earned and and spent. And pretty soon you don't need reasons. He'll give you reasons when you're young, just like we do our kids. But there comes a point where he says, you know what? You're old enough. You don't need a, a reason anymore. You just need a word. 
And that's where I want to be. I'm not saying I'm always there. And all three of those things have to be there for it to be a prophetic revelation of what he wants in your life. Because any, missing any one of the three will cause you to step in and you'll, you'll set the boundaries. Or you'll deny the intimacy. Or you'll dream up the dream. I've done that before too. I'm going to be a mighty prophet. Aren't we glad that didn't work out? <laughs> Paul was always content with natural things. Philippians 4, 11 and 12. Not that I speak from want. I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I now know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. And we tend to take that, and we let that go from the natural, and we take it right into our spiritual life and say, I've learned to be content. Church growth, ah, that's not a big deal. No visitors, nah, I'm content. People aren't getting saved, that's okay. It's God's problem, not my problem. And that was never what Paul intended. Because if you go back to chapter 3, it says that he was never satisfied spiritually. Philippians 3, 13 and 14. I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and reaching forward for what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal of, for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So we have to learn to separate contentment in our circumstances from contentment in our spiritual life. We never are to be content. We should never slow down or stop spiritually. We're never going to make it anyway until we get to heaven and then we're all going to go, oh, if I'd only known. So learn to be content here, but don't let that flow into your spiritual life. Be militant about it. And for you younger, for the youth and young people here, there's no reason you can't have prophetic revelation for you now. Why wait till you're older? I was going to say old, but that would be, that wouldn't be very good. But you don't have to wait. There's no such thing as spiritual differences between children and adults. Your spirit is just like my spirit. Completely submitted and sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And you can hear from him. You need to. Sometimes more than we do. We've learned how to figure it out a little bit. And you're just now starting. Don't just because you're young and say, well, you know, when I get old, I only have to come... You know, I have to come in the big service because kids spark threw me out. It's not that. It's God saying, okay, it's time. Let me talk to you too. There's things for you. And so we, we have to stop applying Philippians 4 across the board. And don't let it filter into us. As Paul, I'll say it like Paul would. May it never be. With an exclamation point. We have to wake up. All this cleansing and shaking is for nothing if we don't move forward in prophetic revelation of what he wants to do. It's just been a, a, an exercise, and we'll have to go through it again. So what is the word of God to you that is driving your life? It's to be rooted in Jesus, of course. And that just means that everything we do is rooted in the person of him. 
It doesn't mean just because we're believers that we're rooted. It means we have to be rooted individually to him so that we can share that same life with each other. We have a vision for the future. Until we have a vision for the future that he has given us. And then when we do, it'll fit into the vision of New Life Church. Because it's the individual vision that you carry or that he gives you that actually builds the vision of the church. The church, uh, Carol said something several weeks back, and it's, it's just rung in my ear since then. This is an auditorium. This is the sanctuary. And when that life of Christ is in me, and I'm with you, and we join together, that's rooted in Christ. And then sharing life with each other. And then we start to provoke each other to good works. You know, when I, when I first got into missions and YWAM, it was because I was watching some YWAMers, the way they were interacting and the way they were together, and then uh, one of them spoke. And the whole time, every time I watched them, it did something in my spirit. They never directly addressed me. They provoked me to good works. And people will get provoked when you start doing good works. You don't have to tell them about it. You just start doing it and they will join you. And that's what we're to do. That's, that's sharing life. It's not just coffee stops. It's provoking each other to good works. It doesn't mean it has to be hard. It can be a fun thing. I mean, I've, when I was over at the apartment complex several weeks ago... It was just fun being there, just meeting the, the, the uh, managers and the people that were in it. I haven't been to the outreach yet, but I've met them. I saw the enthusiasm. I've heard from people who have been going and wanted to go, and it's, and it's an exciting thing. But it's not that hard. It's just sharing life together, the life of Christ, because there is a need. And so they've come together to meet the need. And from that, there'll be fruit. There has to be. Wherever the Spirit of God is, there's always fruit. You can't get away from that. And I can tell you the the best church growth model, and that is prophetic revelation from the heart of the Father. Vision comes by prophetic revelation. And people come here because of the vision whether it's for personal growth, whether it's for ministry or whatever, and they, they'll come alongside others with a similar vision, and then they develop relationships. And, and we are moving from a season of breaking and cleansing and adjustment into a season of revelation, not for ourselves, but to see what's on the heart of the Father. What does he want for us? What does he see? And people come because of vision. They stay because of relationships. And that's what Romans 8.28 is, basically. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purposes. It's both. Loving him, loving people, and doing the work. Love and work. Love and work. And it's always that. And as we do that together, we share life in Christ. Here. It's shared life. 
You know, New Life Church, I don't want to offend anybody, but is basically part hospital, part cafeteria, and part lounge. <laughs> Which it should be. So, but if you stay too long in any of those areas, you stay sick, you get fat, and you become lazy. Oh, so many things are running through my head. We need a hospital. That's why we're here. We need a place to be fed. And we need a place to get to know each other and hang out. But we can't live here. We have to live out there. And we come back here. When you're sick, go to the hospital for a while. When you're hungry, go get some food. When you need fellowship, come and hang out. But other than that, get a prophetic revelation for your life and let it drive you to the next thing. And trust him that no matter where he takes you or what he's doing, he will never forsake you and never leave you. And he loves to show himself faithful because he can't do anything else. If you want to mess with him, try to make him unfaithful. Do everything you can to make him unfaithful. See what happens. He's going to be faithful. So here's the last question. What is the prophetic revelation that is driving your life? You've been through the sifting. You've been through the breaking. You've been through the cleansing. Things have been shaken off. It's time for a prophetic revelation to move forward. So that together we can establish the kingdom of God here in Kentucky and in the uttermost parts of the world and enjoy it and have fun doing it and look at the world and all of its mess and stand there as clean as you are with a smile and a hug and love people into the kingdom because without that we have nothing to offer without the presence of the Lord and the revelation of what he wants to do in every situation if you want completely successful ministry don't move until he's shown you And then when he's shown you, don't stop until he tells you to stop. It's just a matter of simple obedience, one day at a time, doing what he's called you to and not doing what he's not called you to and enjoying the journey. So let's pray. Father, I ask you, in Jesus' name, Would you release prophetic revelation in this room? Would you fill our spirits with the vision for the future of what you're wanting to do? Would you make us so sensitive to you that we don't move until you tell us to move and that we don't stop until you tell us to stop? And I ask now that you would, by your spirit, just touch the part of each of us that keeps us from wanting to walk in complete abandonment to you. Because as we enter this next season, we don't ever wonder, want to wonder what if. What would it have been like had we received the revelation you were trying to give us? So I ask, Lord, that you would just come, that you would fill our hearts with your presence first and your word second. 
and that we would all have the grace to follow you in whatever capacity that means. Lord, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name.